you need to look at every deal like this could potentially be a deal for you um, and, and always keep your eyes open for more opportunities. Agent Power Huddle is a daily jumpstart, giving you all the tools you need to create an amazing real estate career. Led by top experts in the field, you'll learn how to sell more houses in less time while creating the life you want. Welcome to the Agent Power Huddle. We have one of the most interesting topics we've had in a long time this morning. We've got special guest host, Justin Akins. Justin, how are you? I'm doing well, man. How are you? I'm excellent. This is something that's near and dear to my heart. For all of you uh, realtors out there who have a lot of clients, we're going to teach you how to be your own best client. That's, that was the way it was taught to me years and years ago. And what that means is Justin is a successful real estate agent, right? He sells a lot of houses, but we're not talking about the houses he sells or where he does that from. Today, we're going to talk about the fact that he is also a successful investor. So I got notes here. I want to glance at him, Justin, make sure I'm getting this right. He currently owns 50 units and he's closing on 36 more units in the next month. He's also going to flip 14 houses this year, right? In addition to like the normal real estate business he does. Is that, and, and of the two, Justin, I mean, you love working with your clients, but from talking to you offline, I have a feeling that, you know, the investment side is something you're pretty passionate about also, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. It's um, my real estate sales is the fuel to my investments. Okay. So for those of you that have never started your own investments or you're just starting this journey or you have a bunch of units already and you're just looking for some more tips, we're going to start out at the beginning with Justin, kind of where he started, how he got going and uh, some strategies he uses from, from your advanced investors. So we'll, he's pretty advanced. So we'll go deep into some of his advanced strategies. And we jokingly said this might be more than 30 minutes worth of material. All right, Justin, this could be. Yeah, we can go for a while. Two hours. We'll, we'll keep it to 30 minutes today. We'll do part two, part three, part seven. Um, so thank you, Justin, for coming on. Um, take us back to the beginning when you, when you, were, did you start at investing before you became an agent or were you an agent first and then an investor? So I got tricked into investing because my dad bought a house for me. You know, said so that's your house for college. Did that for me, for my sister, my brother. I think it was his way of tricking us into going out to clean out the nasty houses and, you know, child labor type laws, but whatever. Um, but no, so <laughs> my dad's been an agent and an investor my entire life. Um, but in 2010, I bought my first duplex. I was um, recently had graduated from college. Um, I was living in my parents' basement. I had gotten an entry-level sales job, not in real estate. Um, but what that allowed me to do is take advantage of you know the traditional financing FHA loan type deal. So I bought a duplex, um, lived in the one side, and rented to my buddies um, next door. So they were paying me rent, and they were offsetting my mortgage. I love it. And, and we should tell everybody, by the way, you are just outside Cleveland, right? In, he's in Ohio. He's just outside Cleveland. How old were you when you bought your first property? You said you were? 24. 24. And do you remember how much it was? 124 with three grand in closing. It was 24, 124,000, three grand in closing. By the way, I knew you would knew the exact number. How cool is that? So yeah. anyone who's older than 24, you're not too late but you don't have to start with 24, but it is pretty cool that you started that, that young. So you got your first duplex. Then did you immediately love the idea of investment or did it kind of build over time? I immediately loved it. Okay. I mean, like it took me about two mortgage payments to realize that like, why am I not doing more of this? You know, it's like, it's, it's working. I'm living at a discount. My friends are paying my mortgage. I'm owning this. Like it just clicked immediately for me. 
Yeah. And, and we should give a little background. Tell, tell us a little bit about your family. You said, you know, your, your dad kind of tricked you into it, but what's, what's your dad's background? Yeah. So my dad got started the year I was born in 1986. Um, he's been a licensed agent primarily at the same company for 32 of 35 year career. He took a small stint into management and quickly got back out of that after about two and a half years. So, um, yeah, so my dad and I, we work together, it's myself, my dad, we have another agent on our team, Aaron, and a, an assistant, Marie. So we have a small team um, out of Northeast Ohio, Keller office. And uh, yeah, so we, we do a lot of retail sales, call it traditional, you know, buyer sellers, but also because of, you know, what my interest is and my, my network of investing, we also work with a lot of investors as well. Yeah, I love it. And, and so do you think you had an and there's people on this call who come from real estate families like I do and some people that don't. Do you think you had an unfair advantage? And if you did, people who don't come from real estate family, is there a way they can kind of give themselves that education without having that background? I mean, I, I, I'd be lying if I said I didn't. I absolutely wouldn't say I, I unfair. Um, I, you know, I was exposed to real estate at a much younger age than a lot of people, you know, understanding just what it is, you know, and just in conversation in our house back and, you know, in the throughout my entire childhood in the nineties, you know, my dad's signs had the home phone number on it. You know, we were answering the home phone and taking messages and he was really upset when, you know, we either didn't write it down, lost it or, you know, something happened. So like I, I knew what real estate was for a lot, you know, before I even knew what it was. But, um, I, I really fell in love with the idea of the investing and just started spending a lot of time educating myself, you know, reading books. I, I, I'm, I, I listen to podcasts every day, all day, you know, different, you know, when I, when I exercise, when I'm in my car. Um, so I do a lot of just educating, you know, I still, I still listen to basics. I still listen to the entry level, bigger pocket stuff, you know, just from, you know, I'm, I'm a real estate education kind of nerd when it comes to that type of stuff. So, yeah. And you, you and I definitely get along there. So, so let's, let's give some actionable stuff. What do you, you just reference bigger pockets. Give us some of the podcasts, the books you're reading, but back then now give us some of the things that you love to educate yourself with. Uh, so bigger pockets is, is my, is probably my, my, my favorite, you know, just because it covers the full gamut of real estate, you know, they, um, all of the, the books, I mean, the rich dad poor dad series is the most popular most common i mean you really can get started and learn a lot just by reading those those books they're obviously the most popular um my my actual favorite is more of a personal finance podcast right now it's called wealth formula it's it's Ooh. advanced personal finance it's also kind of takes the idea of once you build into actively managing like a rental portfolio there's also different tax strategies and a lot of um, opportunities that real estate provides real estate professionals with the current you, tax code. Can you say that so, one again? That's called wealth formula. Wealth formula. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's, and that's not real estate specific. That's more, you know, advanced personal finance. Um, I listen to, uh, what else? real estate rock stars. I listen, um, you know, that's a popular one as well. So, you know, just try to consume as much, you know, information as, as possible, you know, because if, if you're not education, educating yourself on that type of, just what, what's new, what, what other people are doing, you know, and trying to at our market, I think you're not uh, progressing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so, so that's, you guys are already getting the growth mindset that he has, right? He didn't end up at 50 units and, you know, just by accident, like he's, and he's acquiring and acquiring because he's, he's educated, he's learning strategies. So you get your first one, you live in half the duplex, love that strategy. What did you do next? What was your, what, where did you go from there? 
so I, I, at that point, I, had, I was not an agent. I mean, I had my license, but it was 2010, 2011. And I was a 24, 25 year old, you know, that was like the worst real estate market in history. I mean, trying to get started, it just wasn't going to happen. So I, I was working my, I was still had access to MLS. I was learning the, the market, learning how to you know look at the data. Um, but then my dad and I kind of tricked. Who is Justin, guys? Yeah, Craig, Craig's telling me yes. Justin, you are frozen. Can you hear me? Jesse. There you go. You're back. Oh, you, you froze right. for a minute. We heard you say your dad, and then you froze for a minute. So, sorry. Yes. Uh, so, I mean, I'm, I'm watching all these houses, all these foreclosures come through to our market. And I'm like, how is this house $35,000, $40,000? So, I... I finally uh, convinced him, probably annoyed him enough to say yes to, to buying one. I'd have the money. I, had, I, I mean, I didn't. I could not do it by myself whatsoever. So he uh, he bought it. Uh, my girlfriend, now my wife at the time, we we were his labor. He was absolutely the project manager. He he showed us how to do this, but um, we we ended up splitting it. We made good money on it. Um, and at that point, so then I took that that my portion of it and i uh use it as a down payment on uh my next my next rental property i love it so so, so that one so there's two main strategies in case anyone's kind of like investing one-on-one we've got fix and flip and buy and hold so that yeah. first one you did when you convinced your dad that was a that was a flip correct correct and then you rolled that into your next rental which became your first, your second buy and hold that's correct okay i love it so so do you focus mainly on the buy and hold strategy or fix and flip or a little of both I think uh, it really depends on it's um, property specific, you know, in each person, each person's strategy can be, you know, whatever their um, per, per their comfort level. If I'm going to be putting a lot of cash into the rehab, I typically try to fix and flip it because I want to get my cash back out. If it's a, if it's lower, you know, lower cash outlay, lower rehab, I I'm t- I tend to be more comfortable of just leaving that cash in the deal, having high equity or higher equity in the property, but then just cash flowing it. Um, and that's more of a speed thing too. So if I can get into a house, put, you know, in, in my market, if I can put less than 10, $15,000 into it, I'm happy to leave it in there and then the cash flow really quickly. But if I'm putting in excess of 20 to 30 more thousand dollars, my target typically is going to be to flip it. Interesting. And, and uh, with the 50 units you have, I mean, so how did you scale from a couple of units up to, to 50? Was it kind of flipping and making money, putting into some term, long-term holds? Did you do any burr strategy? If we want to talk about that, what, what's your, how did you scale up to 50? Yeah. So, so just for people who aren't, maybe aren't familiar with burr buy is buy rehab, rent, refinance, repeat. Um, I, I've actually never burred a, a house. Um, I, I've, I've helped a lot of people do it, but I, I never have. Um, when you say help people, you mean help your clients do it? Help my clients and friends yeah. and, and execute the birth strategy. Um, I just, uh, being a real estate agent, I also, I, I own probably, I think six or seven houses that are paid for. And I, and I do that intentionally because I don't want the, the monthly payments being required, but I still like having that as my, my safety net. That's my guaranteed monthly paycheck, you know, that none of us have, but I, I like having that. Um, I have equity lines on all of those properties. That doesn't mean that I have, I have access to the cat or to the equity, but they're not, it's not required. 
Um, so back to your original question, how did it happen? I, I, I started flipping and then I, I buy and hold and then the, I just start to compound slowly. One deal doesn't make or break anyone's career. But if you start adding the properties up and they start slowly, you know, decreasing your personal, um, your personal monthly budget, you know, my mortgage was now gone. My, my car payment is now gone. My cell phone, my, you start itemizing these things off of your personal budget. Now, all you, but you still have an income coming in. Now, next thing you know, you're like, what am I going to do with this income? Am I going to, you know, go live like a first round draft pick and start buying like fancy things? No, that's not my, to my personality, you know? So I, uh, I just started saving and enrolling it. And then, you know, if you have the income and you can have, and you can use long-term debt, I mean, it doesn't take long to save 20 to 25% to start putting down on these properties. So that was, that was my strategy initially. And then, then you start mixing in a flip and you start hitting a, you know, 15, $20,000 cash, you know, a little bonus on a flip. There's your down payments. And then, you know, it took me from one to two units, two to, you know, I think I went like two to six units. And then, then it just starts compounding. Now we are in this network. You're in this, you're, you're actually are an investor. Now. You're not just somebody who, you know, listens to podcasts and wants to do it. You actually are doing it. So, but you're, you're meeting contractors, you're having these conversations with other people um, about what you're doing, whether it be your friends or your, your coworkers or, or your clients, you know, and now you're starting looking at opportunities a little bit differently. You're you're looking at property differently. So like, and at that point, it just, it starts to build. Um, you know, I'm addicted to it. <laughs> you know, that's like, you just, you just start getting into it. You know, it's, um, and that, that's how it all just started to compound. Yeah. And then, um, you start again, you start looking at the whole, like, what, what's the best use of my time? Like, that's, that's really what it boils down to. You know, it's like, you know, do I want to go and I'm, I'm done swinging hammers. I'm, I'm not good at it. I'm not, I'm like, I'm really not good at it. And I'm okay not being good at it, but I'm, I'm good at knowing people that are, that are reasonable, that I, that I trust. So that, that all just takes experience and relationships and, and trying to, uh, you know, I, and I failed a lot. I mean, I've, I've been ripped off. You know, I've, I've given the benefit of the doubt to the tenants who's, you know, has, has the, the poor me excuse and I'm trying to work with them and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be their savior to let them change. And, you know, that cost me thousands and thousands of dollars, you know, unfortunately. So, you know, it's just, it's trial by error, um, or trial by fire, excuse me. You know, so it's, it's just, it's, it's all kind of build over time. Yeah, I love it. And I was actually going to ask you about that. So the reason we do this live, by the way, guys, so and those of you listening to the podcast later, if you ever want to jump on agentpowerhuddle.com, right? 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. East Coast. We do it every day. So those of you here on camera, I see Patrick, Anne-Marie, Ali, Craig. Uh, let's see a couple other people I can't see on my first screen here. Heather, if you guys have questions and you want to come off mute, I'm going to ask one more question. And then uh, if you guys have questions, that's why we do this thing live. I was going to ask you about um, some of the mistakes or lessons you learned along the way? Because I assumed it wasn't a linear, straightforward path that you just said, I'm going to become an investor and I'm going to go. Were you nervous? And what mis what lessons did you learn along the way? Um, I was, I, okay, so let's, let's just, I, so technically I've been an investor for 10 years now. So even 10 years ago, the amount of education that's out there wasn't there. I mean, from a podcast sphere, from, from, people sharing their experiences through social media, it just simply was not there. Um, so I was, I was just trying to do what I thought was best, you know? So I think of what the advantage of, 
of people today is is taking other people's experiences and applying them to what whether you've done it or not, but applying it to today. So you don't have to learn it yourself. You have to learn what I did, you know, and and, and not to do more importantly, you know. So um yeah, you know, it, it was was challenging, you know, did it the, the I didn't get burned bad. You know, I think the market saved me a little bit on a couple of of deals just because you know, the more so I was thinking, I'm, an, I'm overall, I think I'm a nice person. I want to give the benefit of the doubt to people and I want to help people, but like you have to run it like a business. You can't run it like a charity, you know, unless, unless you're actually going to buy a house for a charity, you can't run it like a charity. So, so when you're, when, when I'm listening to this person or, or, you know, it's, uh, you know, coming off of a, a breakup or a divorce and, you know, there's kids involved and, you know, you're, you're financially like I, for my biggest mistake is I never did background credit checks for the first six, seven years of this. I just didn't do it. I'm like, ah, my intuition's good. You know, I'll, I'll see if I like them, you know, I'll see if, uh, you know, you know, I'll call their references. You know, what are they going to, what are they going to give you a bad reference? I don't even call references anymore. I don't like, what's the point? I mean, in my opinion, what's the point? They're going to give you their, if, they, if they're an idiot, they're going to, you know, give <laughs> their brother's phone number to you, you know? Totally. You, you didn't do credit checks for the first six or seven years. That's no, a, no, wow. zero. So no, didn't matter. A, didn't matter to me as long as I got my rent, you know, but Ohio is just a better state than the rest of the country. I think that's bottom no, line. That's all it is. The people in Ohio are just better human beings. No, that's we're not at all <laughs> at all. Here's the thing. And, and I know this is so minimal, but like, uh, what's a background on credit check? 30, $35. I mean, it's not a lot of money, but if you're an idiot and you have crap credit and you're, you have a crap background, you're not going to pay me $35 for me to tell you that you have, you're an idiot. So just that simple, small barrier to entry eliminates a lot of these knuckleheads. So and you have to, and you treat every single tenant the same, no matter you know what they look like, where they come from, what their situation is. And that's at that point, like what, getting someone's credit report in their pay stub, like, because I, I feel comfortable in personal finance, I can see, can you afford this? Like, whether you tell me or not, you can afford it. I can tell, I can tell you if you can afford the rent just by, by that quick snapshot of, of what's your monthly obligations and what's your income. So just seeing that, like, that's all I need. And does that make sense, guys? You have questions. I got a question from Facebook that uh, Michelle Benson asked that I'll ask this one. And then I do want to cycle back to uh, Zillow doing credit checks and free property management services. I don't know if you've seen that yet. If not, we, we can skip it. But it blew my mind when I, someone just sent to me the other day. I haven't dug into it. Uh, so Michelle Benson asked, uh, can you talk about the best types and places to get financing to get started? Yeah. So the, the best type was just would be your well, right now, because of the new Fannie Mae guidelines, it's going to be with with a, a bank, not a mortgage company, a bank. And the reason is because mortgage companies are um, their their portfolios are trying or are getting too investor heavy, so that their rates are are higher. If, um, so a, a small bank, a local, like it'd be nice to have like a bigger like a big regional bank. So in Northeast Ohio, like Huntington, they're huge over like three to four states, you know, but not like a chase, which is huge nationally. Okay. Or like a, like a, a community bank, that would be a good place to, to start because they have better financing terms. Um, a mortgage company, typically the, you're going to be paying higher rates there for new investors. Love it. Love it. Love it. All right. Does anyone have questions? I want to pause for a minute. We've got about 10 minutes. Does anyone else have questions? Heather, you want to, you want to ask a question? Yeah. 
You sound pretty financially savvy and um, I'm pretty new into this real estate investing world. What, um, what kind of guidance can you give us just on the simple um, financial things like step up in basis, those kind of things? How, how does it affect you in paying taxes? Where can I find those resources? Well, bigger pockets could, is, is, is a great resource. You know, if, if you're just getting started, okay, you're, you're not going to actually pay a lot of tax. And the reason is, is because when you buy a new property, okay, let's, let's just use round numbers. Okay. So if you're going to make a thousand dollar a month, thousand dollars a month, your, your payment's 600. Okay. Again, I'm in Northeast Ohio guys. So stay with me. Like I I'm well aware I've looked at to go to other markets and then I'm like, why am I leaving the one of the cheapest markets in the country? Like, let's just stay where, all right. So, so a thousand dollars a month, your payment's 600, you're in a cash flow $400. So let's just round up and call you and make five grand. Okay. So you're, you're going to, you're, um, and you have a hundred thousand dollar property. You can, you can depreciate that over 27 and a half years. So you actually are only going to be paying like on your, on your taxes, like what, 1200 bucks. It's not going to be that much money. Okay. So like, I wouldn't worry about that at that point, especially getting started. Okay. It's start, it's once you start getting into the, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, you know, if you're making 30, 40, $50,000 a year net profit at that point, you probably should be, you know, speaking with them, you know, your accountant on some tax strategies or, you know, if you're a real estate professional at that point, you can look at different types of investment to offset your, your passive income. Thank Love you. It. All right. Pat, Patrick Lee has a good question. And uh, this is, so everyone you're talking to today, we, we all are real estate agents. And okay. I love this question because I, I mentioned in your intro about an unfair advantage. I actually love when you have an unfair advantage. I wasn't saying that in a negative way. I think having an unfair advantage is something that we need to look for in life. So Patrick Lee asks, um, what's the best way to find properties? Do you have a strategy to find off-market properties? And I would tie that into those of us as agents. Do you think we have an unfair advantage with any of those? So, um, my best way, okay. Say I've bought all of my flips this year. I, I, I bought one of them online or on MLS one, all, all of the rest were relationships I have with, with wholesalers. And I'm assuming, I don't want to assume, but the wholesalers are those people as we buy houses for cash, you know, you know, cash for keys, all the, like they, they don't buy your house. They, they put it under contract and they sell the contract. It's a, it's a, in my opinion, a pretty scummy business. Um, just because there's not a lot of disclosure and, and what, what's going on and that I have a hard time with that. But, but ha unfortunately, not fortunately, unfortunately, but I have relationships with those people. I do. And, and that, that's where a lot of deals come through. You know, it's like, so I can put my, my real, my real estate agent hat on when I'm talking to my friends, family referrals, all of that, that's my real estate agent conversations. But when I'm an investor, like you, you just need to talk to these people and, and develop relationships and, and, and perform, you know, so if, if you, if they bring you a deal and the numbers make sense, it doesn't mean like buy a crappy deal. That, that's not what I'm saying. But if, if the numbers make sense, you know, it, does, it never feels good to pay an assignment fee because you're like, Whoa, I just paid $19,000 for an assignment fee. You know, like for, for just for them assigning me the contract, but then you can take that and roll that into a, a big flip, you know, and at the end of the day, you're making 65,000. Like, so that makes me feel better at the end of the day, but like, you need to have those, 
those relationships. That's really what it is. And it's, and it's, you know, and that's going through your like real estate investor association meetups, like they, you know, 80% of those people are there just sitting there are thinking and that they want to be investors, but you just got to start being, um, putting yourself out there and having those conversations. I love it. And and I know exactly what you're saying when you say wholesalers are don't attract always the highest moral character, but there are good wholesalers and there are, they those, are. They're it's, absolutely it's, are. it's like everything, right? But, but like you said, because it's not heavily regulated in that way. And a lot of wholesalers are not agents, right? There's a, there can be, that's why there's, that's why a lot of uh, some, some brokerages shy away from allowing wholesaling for agents because it's a, uh, you got to make sure it's done right. And you're doing it with integrity with the client's best interest in mind. Um, I mean, there are people, believe it or not, guys, if you've never bought one of these or listed one, <clears throat> that you tell them straight out, you can sell this house for more money if you list it. I don't care. I don't want to list it. I'm going to sell it at a discount. And that, that's, that's what Justin's talking about. Correct, Justin? Correct. And there's actually, there's agents in, in our market, I'm sure in everyone's market, that is, you know, we'll buy your house. We'll buy your house from you. You know, those people are buying your house at retail, though, you know, so that they're going to buy it. I mean, a lot of people, some people don't care. They just want... They want speed. They want convenience. They don't want to leave their house with all their trash in it. They're embarrassed. You know, they're out of their, their parents passed away, but they live, you know, across the country. They don't want to come back and, and empty the, their house out or they inherited their uncle's house. They don't want it. They just want, they want to speed and, and get the, get the house sold. And as long as they're okay with it, I have no problem with that, but it, it's just the whole disclosure part. So. Oh, yeah. And, and so um, in terms of markets, let's talk that for a few minutes. Now people can connect with you. If you were going to invest and you were in a market like Southern California, I see a lot of faces here in Southern California where our cash on cash return or, you know, our cash flow is nothing like what you get in Ohio. Would you recommend, depending on your goals, you start looking at another market? Do you recommend you, you invest locally where you are? Do you have a philosophy on that? I've only invested where I am locally, unless um, I have invested with, um, um, syndicators, people who raise capital to buy apartments. And at that level, I believe you have to really vet that person as far as who you're putting your money with our, you know, their professional company with a track record with a proven track record. Um, I, I believe real estate is hyper local. So I don't, I'm not comfortable putting my money, you know, in Southern California being in Northeast Ohio. Um, However, I understand also I have the opportunity here for cash flow that you guys don't, you know, so I think um, really look, there's deals in every market, no matter where you are, but just really trying to, you know, find them is, is the challenge um, or develop relationships with, with companies that, you know, you really do trust. Like, you know, coming from Southern California, there are turnkey operators. I would be from my experience and I, I do have some experience buying or selling houses to a turnkey operator, a lot of times you're just buy, you're buying a number on an Excel sheet. You're not you're not you don't understand that you're actually buying a property. They're not going to tell you that they're in the crappy areas because their business would shut down. They're just trying to sell you a, you know a twelve percent return or or fifteen percent cash on cash return, which sounds great until you have you're the one actually owning it and then have to get rid of it. You know and that at that point you're you're happy to just break even on the purchase price for the most part most point. So I would, I, you know, to your initial question, real estate to me is hyper local. I'd love to tell you, like, just come to Northeast Ohio. There's no other investors. Every market's flooded right now with investors because real the money's so cheap and, and everyone wants to, you know, find the deals. But um, I would just really try to focus on, on the relationships and not being a, 
not being an obnoxious investor, but not being, you can't be quiet. If you want to be an investor, people have to know that you're looking for this. You can't sit around and if they don't know that everyone in my office knows I buy and sell, I buy houses, whether to keep, to flip every single, we have 400 agents in our brokerage and in my immediate office, there's 80, but they know I buy and sell houses. So they'll bring me a deal if it could be a potential deal. And a lot of times they're not because, you know, they want to get their seller the most amount of money, but I'm, I'm happy to look at them. You know, they, they might be deals. So like, you just can't be a quiet investor. I, I love that tip. And before we wrap up, I would say not only not be a quiet investor, but it sounds like really developing your skill set so you can actually identify a deal. When you say real estate's local, some people probably come across deals and don't even know their deals or vice versa, right? Would you say that's an important skill set? That's, that's incredibly important. You know, when, when you're, you know, Gary Keller even says you're every listing appointment you want, you should walk up to and, and look at the house, like, like it could be a potential deal for you, you know? So like, I, I take that into consideration, you know, um, you have to understand the market. You have to understand what the high side is. You know, when you're an investor, you can kind of start to understand what this thing, what improvements cost, you know, so you can back into the numbers a lot quicker and easier and be more comfortable and confident in those. So, and that only comes with the experience. Um, but you know, it's absolutely, you need to look at every deal. Like this could potentially be a deal for you. Um, and, and always keep your eyes open for more opportunities. I love it. We actually recorded a, a teach me something episode, Justin, we'll have to get you on that one too. It's our game show where we have two minutes to teach someone something. And uh, the guest yesterday, Ken Kratz, he actually has a little spreadsheet that he is mobile friendly that he uses to analyze deals for go or no go in about two minutes or less. I'll, I'll have to connect you up with him. It's, it's a pretty cool little spreadsheet. Nice. So, so guys, oh, we're sharing a, oh, sorry, there we go. I was confused. <laughs> we were sharing, sharing a screen for a minute. So, so uh, what's a good way for people to reach out to you and connect if they have questions, Justin? Do you prefer Facebook, email? What, 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 do, you, what do you like? Um, Facebook's good. Justin Aikens on Facebook. We have the Aikens team, which is our team page uh, on Facebook. Or uh, if email's great too, it's jaikens at kw.com. Love it. Guys, I hope you enjoyed this. This is just something different than what we normally do. Be your own best client. We'll have Justin back here again. We'll, maybe we'll do an ask me anything with you, Justin, where we do like 30 minutes. We just have people ask you questions and want anything they want. So that'd be great. All right. Well, enjoy your day, guys. Thanks everyone for being here. Thanks everyone. Bye Thanks, guys. Jesse. If you'd like more information or to get connected to the Agent Power Huddle, join our free Facebook group. This call was designed for the agents in our EXP organization, but open to any agent from any brokerage. If you're a guest and you're interested in learning more about EXP or our specific resources within the Agent Collective, reach out to the person who invited you to this call to get more info. Produced by the Agent Collective Media Network.